Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I want you to listen carefully to this clip of audio and decide for yourself where the football player in this interview comes from. Tell us, what was it to play in the Bundesliga in front of this crowd? Yeah, a very proud moment for me, obviously, to make my, to make my debut for this club. Um, it's a very proud moment for me and my family, and um, obviously I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed uh, playing here. I'm happy to have made my debut here in, at, uh, in this stadium. Now, that was the English footballer, Eric Dyer, uh, and it was his first post-game interview after making his debut for German football club Bayern Munich. And the reason it became notable is because of Dyer's accent. Some people felt it had a subtle German twang to it, which got us thinking, what is going on in the brains of people who maybe seem to be mimicking the accents of those around them. So we called up the person we knew would have a pretty decent insight into what's going on here. That person is Knight's resident sociolinguist, Dr. Julia Debress from Massey University. I spoke to Julia earlier this evening, and I began by asking her what an accent actually is. Right. Um, an accent is um, a variety of language. Um, that involves phonological features. So it's all about sound. Sometimes when we talk about accents, we're thinking about other things too, like word choice or distinctive um, regional features at the level of grammar and so on. But really it is just how someone's how someone's voice sounds to the ear. And, and how do accents uh, develop, I guess, on a large scale, like regional or, or national accents? Yeah, well, if we if we think about the New Zealand accent as a good example, um, New Zealand English, um, it often involves different people coming together. So in this case, um, when people when New Zealand was colonised, you know, the settlers coming from different parts of England um, and Scotland and Wales and so on, um, blending together, and then their their voices tend to merge into a kind of composite accent that then kind of takes on its own um, you know history um, and people. Particularly, it, it developed in New Zealand among um, the children of those migrants mm. who all spoke together and um, formed their own type of specifically New Zealand accent. And these kind of people take it and run with it. It's always changing. Um, so, we, yeah, we, we can see changes over time in New Zealand and they're still happening. Um, but we have certainly distinctive paths that the ways people talk develop in different places. What about, yeah, well, what about in regions? I mean, looking at, for, for example, a different country, why does someone from Boston sound different to someone from Texas? Or even in a country like Ireland, um, you know, different counties that are pretty close together often have completely different accents. I mean, like the Cork accent is, is very distinctive. What, what plays into that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, originally, um, when those accents developed, you know, it was a lot longer ago than English in New Zealand. Mm. And so different regional areas were um, further separated from each other. Um, you know, in terms of there wasn't so much contact between towns, people didn't travel as much, we didn't have the internet. And so it was based on regional differences. Mm. 
But over time, those differences become also socially coded. So people develop like a local, uh, it's not always conscious, but, you know, kind of local pride about being in Cork or another part of Ireland. And um, that will then become an identity feature, too, of the way that they speak. Um, and so that's a reason why in New Zealand, we really don't have very much regional mm. variation because ever since New Zealand has been, um, you know, it has been English in New Zealand, um, there has been more communication around the country. So we didn't have that um, that kind of opportunity to develop very distinct regional accents. The, in fact, the only one that's really distinctive at the regional level is the, the Southland mm. accent, the Southland R. And it's not a coincidence that that's right down at the bottom of the country, um, still somewhat regionally isolated from from people elsewhere. How about on an individual level? I'm, I'm guessing that your early years and the environment that you're in and, and your parents will be pretty important in determining how you will sound? Exactly, that's right. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, as, as a personal example, my father moved over from the Netherlands and he was one in the middle of about eight kids and he was seven when he moved to, to Aotearoa and he didn't retain a Dutch accent in his English, but his older brothers and sisters do still have traces of it. They're in their 70s and 80s in some cases now, but because they were older when they arrived, their voices had formed, you know, the accents had formed to a greater degree. Mm. Um and we're less flexible in terms of switching. Um, yeah, so that can happen. Um, and we also have, I mean, we've been talking about regional variation, but there's also social variation in accents. So there are class accents. Mm. That's certainly the case in um, in England, for instance. You have, like, kind of BBC, Queen's English, mm. standard um, British accent, and then you have a lot of regional accents that are also social in nature. So you have more working-class accents or... Um, accents associated with particular groups of people. So it's actually very complicated. It's certainly not just about where you're from. You've listened to that clip of Eric Dyer, the footballer, who yeah. uh, who's taking a bit of stick for that uh, on the internet, which is not known for its sympathy, to be fair. Um, but <laughs> what, what do you think's happening there? I, I thought it was so interesting. I heard about the controversy before I watched it, and yeah. then as I watched it, I thought, hmm, I think there's maybe more going on here, is what I thought. Um, in terms of what I think he, how I think he sounds, it definitely doesn't sound German to me. You know, the idea is that he switched to a German accent. He doesn't sound German. He did say ja at some point mm. during that speech. That was that was a German, um, you know, kind of linguistic feature. Um, but I thought he sounded more like he was speaking in what I would call a, a European English accent, mm. um, which is a kind of pan-European accent that blends features, phonological features, the sound features of different accents across Europe. And the reason I recognized it is because I, I lived in um, Luxembourg in Europe for 10 years and I heard this kind of nondescript European but from where accent quite a lot. Um, so I think that he, he doesn't sound German, he doesn't sound British for sure, but it sounded to me more of this kind of European accent. And so I had a little look into his background mm. and learned that in fact he spent a lot of his youth in those formative type years in Portugal um, so I, I haven't heard what he usually sounds like, um, but it, some people are saying that he does have a bit of a Portuguese kind of flavour yeah. to his his regular accent that he uses in England. Is that kind of like, you know how people sometimes talk about the international school accent? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and my kid had it. Um, she was born in Luxembourg and to two New Zealand parents. Um, so in the home, it was all New Zealand English, but where she was speaking English outside the home was always with kids from all over the place. 
And so she developed this kind of British-ish kind of accent, um, definitely not New Zealand, but not really particularly English either, not American. Um, and I think that, yeah, this is it's kind of a, a microcosm of what we talk about when we think about accents developing, that there's a kind of blending that happens of all the different voices. So I imagine, I mean, this is kind of my my main theory with from a linguistic perspective of what's happening here, I'm more persuaded by the idea that he's not consciously shifting mm. to try to sound German, but rather that he is he has a range of different accents um, that are authentic to him in different ways. When he lived in Portugal, when he's in England, now he's in Germany, he's kind of thought, well, okay, so my European accent um, makes more sense now that I'm living in German. Mm. And so he's just sort of shifting, style shifting. Style shifting, yeah, yeah. Well, because that's interesting. Because I, I, um, I, I remember going and living in Australia for a couple of years when I was uh, for a couple of months rather when I was at university. And at the end of my time in Australia, finding myself um, having sort of like you know my New Zealand accent, but with a little bit of an Australian yeah. kind of thing, especially on. I did that too. You know, what, yeah. It's cringe. I don't think yep. <laughs> I don't think I did it on purpose. Um, yeah. but it's definitely a thing that happened. Is that common? That is really common, yeah, and I had the experience too, and you're right that it's not on purpose, but that doesn't mean it's not strategic, mm. because probably what you were trying to do, or like, well, I won't assume your motivations, but certainly when I was there, I did want to fit in and be liked, totally. and, you know, um, get on well with my colleagues, and in my case, you know, there was teasing of New Zealanders by accent, so I, in the office, I'd be like, oh, can someone pass me a vivid, and they say texters, you know, for the pen, like a marker, and then the office people in the office would be like, vivid, 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 and kind of taunting me about my accent. So in that, in that scenario, while not consciously deciding, oh, I'm going to try to sound more Australian, um, you do change, I think. Yeah. Um, in order to, yeah, to, for sort of social reasons, really. Exactly. Um, and, and to avoid having to explain the word that you're saying over and over again, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that you can communicate effectively, basically, yeah. Um, so that is something we do, and that that is a different linguistic process. Um, I mean, they're related, but what what I think he might be doing is style shifting, but this is also a possibility that he's engaging in speech accommodation, we call it. Um, speech accommodation theory um, talks about how if you like someone or you want them to like you, you naturally try to speak more like them. Right. So you adapt your language to sound more like those people. And, and vice versa, if you don't like someone, you'll linguistically diverge from how they talk. Is it so like, it is possible he's doing that. Is, is it like the oral equivalent of mirroring someone's body language? It's exactly like that, yeah, indeed. That's it. And the, the issue is that, you know, generally this is perceived as polite, mm. but you can overdo it. And that, that's what I think the fans are thinking he's doing, is that he's, um, he's, he's got to the level of accommodating where it's called hyper-accommodation. Right where he's gone too far and it suddenly looks artificial, it looks forced, you know, a bit cringe um, because he's kind of gone beyond what what is wanted by the people he's accommodating to. Well, um, cause it is, but it, he's not accommodating to the British people there. He's talking to, I think he was talking to a German. He was, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so to me, yeah, my kind of feeling with that is that, you know, it, it's normal, it's natural, Um <laughs> And it's also like might say a bit more about the people who are bothered about it than about him, because it's the if it's the fans back home who are like, oh no, he doesn't sound English anymore, you know how cringe or how whatever, um, the sense that they feel that he's betraying them somehow by switching his accent is a kind of a quintessentially you know monolingual. 
I mean, it is it is kind of annoying when when you know someone who who spent six weeks in London and they come back and are talking about forking out a few quid to <laughs> take yeah. your bird out for a pint at the Weatherspoons. Yeah. Yeah, that that is yeah, that is kind of stalky. Um, so yeah, so I kind of get where it's coming from. But like I say, I think he may just have a range of accents in his repertoire. He's picking the right ones for the right context, um, and that that's just how he's a multilingual. Apparently, he he does speak a few languages, and so it's more like he's moving through his repertoire. But I don't know. You know, that's my that's my theory on it. Having just looked at the video of him responding in this instance, I don't know what he usually sounds like. I don't. I don't know what his motivations are. You really need to know a mm. lot about the context to be sure what mm. someone's up to. Hey, just finally, you, you said something earlier. You said the accents are always changing. And yeah. uh, I, I, I'm curious as to whether there is any sort of ongoing research into the New Zealand accent and how and in what ways the New Zealand accent is, is changing or whether there yeah. are different varieties that are, that are developing. Yep, absolutely. And one pattern that, that is reproduced across the world um, in so many different contexts, and we're not always sure why, is that it that is that it's young women who who lead sound change. Really? Yeah. And so it's what the young, like Gen Z girls in New Zealand, how they're talking at the moment, that's where we're heading. Um, so it's a bit like it, it, there's been another um, news article item this week about this new kind of version of TikTok, which is like how people talk on TikTok, mm. um, and that's being led by young American women, um, the way they talk, and it, there's this claim that that's what's going to happen to the American accent. So, And people have a tradition of criticising how young women speak mm. in, in New Zealand and elsewhere, but actually they're innovating. Um, so... Yeah, so if you've got like a, any of the listeners have got a, a Gen Z daughter, then that's the person who's going to be determining how we all sound in, in 10 years or so. That's, that's where I'd look for seeing what's happening with it now. Great stuff. Super interesting. Uh, Julie, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Bye. And that was Knight's resident sociolinguist, Dr. Julia DeBrest from Massey University. It is. Well, it's just gone past half past nine on RNZ National. You're listening to Nights with Emil Donovan and uh, lots of chit-chat about that interview. There are, writes Rohan or Rowan, I apologise for which of those is incorrect, there are far more inputs into the New Zealand accent than those from the British Isles or Europe. Um, The influences, for example, from speakers of Te Reo Māori, Samoan, other Pacific and Asian languages. Meanwhile, someone else, uh, Gabby from Hope, says, uh, yes, we do. We do have regional accents and preferences for certain tones and nuances. Compare, for example, a rural Northland New Zealander with someone from Dunedin or a Wellingtonian with someone from Hokitika. Uplifts at ends of sentences that have developed more recently. I did that on purpose. Although I do tend to do that as well, actually. Uh, Peter writes, it's also interesting how pronunciation in New Zealand is developing and moving towards American pronunciation. The cultural creep and refocusing of young people towards all things American is responsible for that. I think it's a shame that we're gradually losing our unique New Zealand language. I don't know whether I agree with that. I I don't think that we're losing our our New New Zealand accent or sound. It's just it's changing. It, it, It doesn't stay... The same forever. It isn't a, a static thing. It's forever evolving. Um, maybe as, as Julie was getting to then. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.